Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. And welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. This is our weekly program covering arts and arts events in Valparaiso and throughout Northwest Indiana. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Our theme music you heard is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Underwriters for Art on the Air are Valparaiso University's Brower Music. Museum, regional art patron Mary LeVan and our landlord Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments. If you'd like to find out more about leasing space in this historic building, please give Walt a call 219-462-5821. I'd like to thank them for their generous support. Thanks to Greg Kovach, WVLP station manager, and Tom Maloney, vice president, radio operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and is part of the National Endowment for the Arts. If you're interested in being a guest or sending us information about your arts, arts-related event or exhibit, please email us at artontheairwvlp at gmail.com. That's artontheairwvlp at gmail.com. Our program, along with all of our programs, are streaming live at wvlp.org. Art on the Air is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Our shows are carried by Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, every Sunday at 7 p.m., and you can hear them at lakeshorepublicradio.org. Our entire show archive can be heard at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. And make sure to like us on our Facebook page, Art on the Air, WVLP. Art on the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art on the Air and, of course, the WVLP station, we'd be happy to become part of the WVLP family anytime. Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com slash AOTA. You can find out support information there or at wvlp.org slash support. So don't just be a WVLP and Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so so we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air and the whole WVLP family. Join the WVLP family today. Now on Art of the Air Spotlight, we have someone who's been on several times before from Dig the Dunes, Eve Wurzbicki, and she has a couple of announcements coming up, especially about the 2021, yes, that's coming up, folks, Dig the Dunes calendar with all local photographers and also how the trail spot would. Eve, welcome back to uh, Art of the Air Spotlight. Hi, nice to be here. Aloha, Eve. So tell us about what's going on with the calendar. We, uh, No matter how bad 2020 was, you are forging ahead with 2021 calendar. We are. We're, I think everybody's ready to move on and get to 2021. So we are super excited about this year's calendar. This is our fifth year of doing the calendar, the Dig the Dunes calendar. And it's a photo contest. We have hundreds of photos that come in. And then we go through at least three rounds of judging to pick our winners. Um, each of the contestants, everyone who, every photographer 
lets us know what months they'd like their photos submitted. So um, we go through it month by month and then we pick uh, our winning photographers. And so those have just been chosen and we're getting ready to do, we did announce the names of the photographers and the calendar release will be the first week in December. Okay. And what's the criteria for picking the photos? The criteria, well, it has to be uh, nature. It has to be in the dunes. We don't want selfies. We don't want, um, you know, a bunch of people in the pictures and really just anything in the dunes area. It doesn't have to be in the state park or the national park, but it just needs to be around the dunes area. And how do you define the dunes area? Uh, pretty much if it's got dunes, beach, if it's one of the small towns in the area, that would work. Um, anything Lake Michigan, any of the lighthouses, um, nature being uh, a deer has won in the past. Um, so we kind of take a look at it and just sort of decide among ourselves. We have uh, four judges and all the photographers are chosen blindly. So we do not know who the photographers are until the very end. Did you see a bunch of new names this year? Um, it's actually funny. We saw a lot of the same names too. And especially with some of the winners with that. And it's funny because without even knowing who we are picking, we did get several repeats, um, <laughs> but we always have new ones. In, and it's always exciting to see all the different people. And well, it's I- just really nice to see how many submissions we get. Yeah, I bet. Well, I know January's um, calendar of the month is uh, Larry Breckner's. Can you Ooh. tell us the rest <laughs> of that? <laughs> yes, and that was that was funny because yes, and it was right away January. So it's it's really fun when I, when the names are revealed to me and I get to see who everybody is. Can you please yeah tell us about some of the others? So we have um, well, our cover. We always choose for the cover. Larry, maybe you'll be the cover next year. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> it's someone who has been a previous winner um, and someone who is a part of either Dig the Dunes or Save the Dunes. Um, and this year we chose Susan Kurt. She's actually had, I believe she's had photos in three of the calendars and she's on the board of Save the Dunes. And we always give 10% back to Save the Dunes from our proceeds. So Beautiful. she's the cover. Um, and we thought that was a good one. It's a monarch um, caterpillar, which we thought the caterpillar butterfly was a good thing to have for 2020 to 2021. Um, Larry is January. Jamie Hogan, who was a winner in the past, is February. Steve Bensney is March. And he, I believe, was a winner one year. Yes. Um, Karen Fexco is April. Cindy Conley is May. Peggy Carter is June. Jan Parr, July. Chad Howell for August. Scott Hale for September. Michael Sandoval for October. Alexis Dines for November. And Terry Fairchild for December. Beautiful. So you said that they choose which month they want to be acknowledged for. Do you do that also with the sponsors? Because every month has its own sponsor as well. Yeah, sponsors can choose if they'd like to. Um, Some of them just tell me to fill them in in an empty month. Um, We did have, so we started the sponsors last year and pretty much almost all of them returned this year. So or we started it three years ago, or this is the third time for sponsors. But they repeat, they, we, they get the first chance to come back. We have just about a minute left. Tell us where we can get the calendar and briefly tell us how the trail stop went this past summer and how successful that was. 
Um, so you can get the calendar at Trail Stop. We're going to be open December 12th and 13th from 1 to 5. Um, and that's right at Portage Lakefront and Riverwalk. And you can also get the calendar at Over Yonder, which is on Highway 12. And you can get it. And this is all starting the first week in December. You can also get it online at DickTheDunes.com. And Trail Stop went really well. And we're really excited to have a COVID-free summer, hopefully, next summer. Um, the nice thing is, is that it's all outside. Um, inside for, we do have an inside area, which will be open um, the weekend of the 12th and 13th. But we're going to keep it very socially distanced and masks will be need to be worn. But um, we're looking forward to next season. Um, now that we've kind of got it going and know what we're doing. And it seems like everybody had a great time. We had music. We had a couple different events and lots of good stuff. Very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art of Their Spotlight, Eve Forsbicki of Dig the Dunes about the Dig the Dunes calendar. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. We'd like to welcome to Art on the Air, Velvy Appleton. 30 years of producing and directing film, video project. He's a broad experience from live action to documentary, animation, uh, visual effects broadcast, but also does mu- music on the side. And we're going to listen to some of that during the broadcast. Uh, he's done video content for a whole wide range of uh, video brands, all the way from Apple to Cisco, Simpsons, Sony, and thereabouts. But anyway, we'd like to welcome him to Art on the Air. Velvy, welcome to our show. Aloha, hey. Velvy. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, we always like to start off so our audience gets to know you, uh, kind of like your journey story. Uh, I always like to describe it from where you were to where you are now, where you grew up, where you went to schools, uh, personal things you want to share with us, and you know, just kind of your whole journey. So tell us about yourself. Well, um, right now I live in Northern California, um, where I've been for about 30 years, but I grew up in suburban New Jersey, just outside of New York City, and I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish environment, very, very religious, and... Uh, When I was about five, um, I was the youngest of four kids. My mom had a pretty serious car accident where she uh, was uh, hit another car head on and she her head went into the windshield and smashed the windshield and she was concussed and she was sort of uh, out of commission for a while. And I was five years old and they were trying to find things to keep me busy. And just coincidentally, a few weeks earlier, uh, right next door to us moved in a couple that were Broadway uh, musicians. Uh, he was a clarinetist and she was sort of a vocalist, um, piano player, and she taught music lessons. So they started sending me over there a couple times a week just because she was next door. So at age five, I started playing piano and I had the good fortune of having this great teacher who was also um, really uh, theory oriented. So very early on, I got into progressions and, uh, you know, <laughs> what made chords into chords and uh, improvising. And I had a really great music training. Um, so I uh, played piano for a long time. I started playing guitar when I was 12 and uh, much to the uh, pain of my parents. <laughs> my dad used to come into my room and take the fuse out of my amplifier. Because <laughs> I was crazy. He knew how to do that. Um, and then um, I, went to, uh, I went to yeshiva schools my whole life. Um, uh, first through 12th grade, half my education was in Hebrew. Um, and then um, I went to the University of Pennsylvania uh, and I got a degree there in um, uh, international relations and a minor in music. Um, and when I got out of school, this, this has a point. <laughs> when I got out of school, my first job was working for a political media consultant in New York City who was running campaigns for 
um, people that were running for office, you know, but big people, you know, um, we, we ran Al Gore uh, for, for president one year. We did the governors of, uh, of New York, Mario Cuomo. We did mayors of New York City. And my first two campaigns were in Pennsylvania, were for John Hines and uh, Arlen Specter. And my job was to go around and interview them and record them on a little Nagra reel-to-reel tape recorder. And then I'd take these, I'd interview them about what the candidates had done for them. He'd gotten money because their chickens had died for avian flu or their bridge had collapsed in their town. And uh, I'd interview people about what the candidates had done. And I'd take these tapes back to New York and I would slice them up with a razor blade like you guys probably did. And make these 30 and 60 second commercials that were sort of testimonial style commercials for for these candidates. And the reason I got that job was they hired me because um, because I was a political science person. I knew about politics and, and policy and all that. But in fact, it was my music training and the fact that I'd done so much recording and, and, and four track recording that got me out to do these interviews. Um, and, uh, and that's what sort of, so the music kind of led back door into this production side. I never thought I was going to be a, a film person or, or a video person, but the, the music kind of got me there. Um, uh, so that's how I got into that aspect of it. And then at the same time, when I was in college, um, when I was a senior, I had a, a job for the art history department where I was driving a van to, um, the museum back and forth to the Philadelphia art museum. Uh, taking students to uh, to you know to look at art and have their their sessions with their TAs there, and so I'd drive the kids, and then I'd have forty five minutes to kill before I had to drive them back. And at that time, there was a Eugene Smith uh, retrospective uh, um, at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and he was this incredible um, photojournalist for Life magazine and did incredible studies about. Uh, you know, in-depth photography studies. And I got very into photography. So when I graduated college, my dad bought me a, a camera and that's how I got into photography. So all these things kind of came together, uh, with the music and the recording and the editing and then doing photography. And now, you know, 35 some odd years later, that, that's really what I've been doing for the past 35 years is music and photography and video production. And, and a lot of what I've done lately has in film has come back to that interview style stuff that I was doing right when I graduated college. So it all, it sounds like it's all very disparate, but actually they're all kind of the same. They they all kind of weave together, you know? Yeah. I I have the same kind of feeling. I ran a small four track recording studio and yeah, I know what you mean. You, you have a lot of different skills that sort of gel into some, some holes. So, uh, well, tell us a little bit about some of your video work that you've done, uh, video production. I mean, looking at your resume here, but share with our audience, uh, uh, some of the production work you've done. I was in visual effects for a long time. Uh, so I worked in commercial work when we used to make expensive commercials for television. Um, and then I did, uh, I produced visual effects for feature films for a couple of years. I produced the visual effects for Hellboy. Okay. And, um, which was a great film. And then I did visual, I produced visual effects for Sin City with Robert Rodriguez. Um, and then, um, and then I kind of, uh, kind of burnt down on film and I thought, you know what? I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to stop doing this. Uh, the film work was really hard. Visual effects was really hard and I was exhausted and anxious and, and I thought, I'm going to go back to sort of the things that are more sort of core and less technical. So I got into cooking and I, got oh. in, and I decided to sort of devote myself to music. And I said, if I can just make the most basic bare living in music, like I'm talking about like $35,000, $30,000, <laughs> something like that, 
then uh, I'm just going to keep doing that. Uh, and I will live simply and, uh, you know, live the austere life. So I kind of, uh, I dropped out of the film world and I, and I uh, went really hardcore into music, into writing and performing. Um, and, uh, and I couldn't do it. I just, I just can never make any money at it. Even with, you know, even some of the bands I've been, have been, have been fairly successful. You know, uh, my Spark and Whisper band, we had an album called Ghost Towns, which, you know, probably made it on 15 or 20 different top 10 albums of the year lists, you know, when it came out. And, um, and I don't think I, you know, I, I never made more than a, than, you know, a couple thousand bucks a year. Um, so what's happened over that time, over time is that, I've just taken the money out of music. And I, now I say I have two careers. I have a film career, which sort of pays the bills. And, and I do that uh, ongoing. And then I have this music career, which I probably spend more time on, but I just have taken the money out of it. I don't expect to make money. I don't negotiate uh, for fees. I don't try to collect money at the door. I just, I just do what I do for the love of it. Um, and that's been a really profound change to sort of just make it I wouldn't call it a hobby because it's 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 more intense than that, and there's a certain sort of professionalism of doing it at a certain level. Um, but I just have taken the sort of career and money aspect out of it. And so, how do you how do you balance it all then? Because it seems like, um, and this is one of the things I was wondering whether all of it happens simultaneously, or is there like the film part and the photography part and the videography part and um, and then the music part, or do they all intermingle? They intermingle, but uh, my film work, uh, I direct, you know, films now, you know, uh, um, for, for usually for tech companies now in, the, in, in, in the California. But what happens with those projects is they're very discreet. They're a few weeks at a time. They're a few days at a time. The shoot days are, are really, um, they're, they're, uh, they don't, they're not ongoing. So, um, I'm usually able to schedule, uh, projects just like, you know, that I'm, I'm going to do the film between these two weeks and then the music can happen on weekends and at night and the photography and other stuff just is, is, is sort of this ongoing thing. It's kind of, there's no routine, Esther, there's no routine. It's constantly, <laughs> my, my wife works for Adobe and she has a very routine job. She, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting job, but every day she, she's working with the same people and she knows her hours and it's sort of a really steady thing. My life is much more uh, mercurial and up and down and, and it's, you know, and project to project. And uh, I never know, you know, what, what the next few months are going to bring. Uh, it's, you know, it's very, uh, it's fluid. You know, what I was so captivated by is that I'm just so drawn in by, you know, your, your, if, I guess we could call it your, your, the style of the way you work is just so captivating to me. Like your photographs, I feel like your whole Bali thing I just followed. And I felt like I was really experiencing it through mm. your just your still photography, as well as, of course, you would shoot video occasionally. But I just um, and that's what I really love about your work. It's even those personal like the Monica and the Josh like, here we are. This is who we are. I just the quality of your film, both in video and print is just gorgeous. Oh, well, thank you. That I, just, that warms my cold, bitter heart. <laughs> I always have to ask, what was your first camera? What kind uh, what, uh, it was an Olympus OM-10. Okay. And, and it was a very uh, persnickety little box, you know. <laughs> um, but I used to shoot film, you know, a lot of film. And then um, I was living in New York City in this tiny little apartment um, with a roommate and a rabbit. And we had this bathroom <laughs> that was literally the size of a toilet and a sink and a bathtub. That was like, that was it. 
but I turned the bathroom into a dark room and I would, I put a, 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 a piece of plywood over the bathtub and another one over the sink. And I'd put the enlarger on top of the sink. And then the, all my chemistry was on the plank of wood on the bathtub. And then I'd hang film from the shower rod. You know, it's just <laughs> like, I, really, I just really wanted to do it. You know, I was so psyched about it that I, I was just going to do it, you know, um, very, very, very driven. <laughs> That's great. Uh, did you move, make the move to digital when you did your photography? I did make the move to digital. It took a long time. You know, I, I was sort of a holdout. Um, a, because I, I really knew film and I liked working in film. And um, and I, I loved working in the darkroom. I felt like that darkroom experience, I really missed that, you know. That, I do too. I, I love the, the experience of focus. And and that's something that, that always comes back to me. I don't like multitasking. I like concentrating on one thing at a time and not not being... Some people love that that chaos of, or not, not even chaos, just the, the energy of a lot of things going on. I love focusing. And man, when I would get in the dark room and close the door and turn that light off and turn on a little music and then be in there for five, six, seven, eight hours just making prints, it was such a meditative, you know what I'm talking about, Esther, right? That, that sort I of do. meditative dark room I experience and, and your print comes up and then you modify it. And I love that. So the move to digital for me was really, um, I was, I was hesitant and also they weren't that good when they first started. No. <laughs> um, but now I definitely, uh, now I definitely love it. Uh, I love digital. Um, I love the capacity to, to shoot on my phone and edit in Lightroom and no chemistry. And, um, there's so much less waste, uh, and environmentally, I love it. And I like the quick results too. I've become sort of more impatient as I get older, <laughs> uh, you know. I spend I know the a- phone, sort of the phone camera has changed everything too. Just yeah. Well, I spend hours on, at such great angles. And I spend hours on Photoshop and uh, uh, I have a, a high-end laptop, which I actually have on my easy chair where in the TV area, and I'm constantly editing on that. And I started editing in digital before I was shooting digital. I'd get some of my things back and uh, scan stuff. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd have it scanned, you know, at the thing, and, and they were JPEG images; they weren't RAWs. But yeah, I, right. but still, I was able to then post edit those, and until I finally, I find my final jump was when the Canon 5D came out, the first quote affordable full frame camera. But I had to invest in; I had such a huge investment in lenses. You know, that's always it. So, well, getting on with well, your the, music, the 5D was such a revolutionary camera because yeah. it brought it brought great digital. You could use all those lenses that you loved, and we used it in film production all the time. I, yeah. you know, they. It looked fantastic and we shot tv shows and movies with the 5d the 5d now mark ii it, but it, it was really it was a revolutionary camera yeah the mark ii you're talking about right yeah yeah i i started with the actual 5d which is not didn't have video on it but uh yeah i still have two fi- uh, 5d mark ii's that i use and then i have a 5d sr which is a 50 megapixel that i use for wildlife photography well we should probably move on to some some of your music and we want our audience yeah. to hear it um you talked a little bit about spark and whisper uh one of the songs we talked about is ghost hunt set that up for us so we can maybe sure. play part of that so um, my band Spark and Whisper was uh, sort of a partnership with a woman named Anita Sandwina, who, who um, was a fabulous singer-songwriter uh, here in Northern California. And we met um, we met at the Strawberry Festival at a uh, which is a, an outdoor you know folk festival. I'm jamming around a campfire, and we we had a, a, a vocal trio called Three at Last, and then we decided to make this sort of more almost like rock-oriented folk rock, I'd say, band called Spark and Whisper. And um, and we brought along uh, um, a bunch of the musicians. I played for about uh, 13 years in a Brazilian band, in a Brazilian, um, like a really hard-hitting African Bahia dance band. 
and we had this great rhythm section. And um, so I brought along the drummer and the bass player from that band. And Anita and I were splitting the writing and splitting the vocals. And the way we worked was that um, the songs that she wrote, she sang. The songs that I wrote, I sang. Um, so we put out a couple albums. Our second album was called Ghost Towns. And, and this song, Ghost Town, what happened was um, uh, I had a 10-year-old daughter. My, my, I, I, and um, when I first moved to San Francisco, I lived in the Mission District, which was a really kind of bohemian um, artsy kind of, uh, a little bit dangerous place to live. <laughs> and, uh, um, I moved up to Marin County, which is much whiter and safer and, uh, more, more sort of, uh, vanilla, beautiful, very beautiful, but culturally much more vanilla. And at one point, um, when my daughter was 10, uh, I took her down to the mission for a day to show her the old places, you know, to show her all the places that I loved and to eat, you know, tacos and, and, uh, look at murals and, and uh, sort of have that mission cultural experience. So we drive down there and when we get there, it was a very bittersweet day for me of, of uh, <laughs> wow, these places are kind of still here, but they've changed. But really all the people that I, those crazy people that we hung out with and loved and did art with and made movies with and, you know, went out drinking with, they're all gone, you know, they're all, they've all moved out. And now it's like a, a younger kind of techie sort of crowd. And it was really like, oh, and it just felt lonely. Like, you know, you, you can never go back to your hometown, that kind of thing. Um, so I came home that night having that had that feeling of, uh, of loss in a way. And I wrote this song called Ghost Town. And it's really about that sort of um, reminiscence of, of, uh, of being young. <laughs> You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. Well, let's go ahead and take it. Vilvi uh, Appleton's uh, from Spark and Whisper, his band from uh, 2010 to 18, and this is Ghost Town. Takers, the givers, the lows and the highs. The debt, the dues, the smoke and the booze. Mothers and lovers, the friends and the fools. The stand now before me all gather round to escort me through my lovely ghost town. Up and down. In these hills, my tails they tumble like so much wine spills. Pour down the pavement and dry in the sun. Just stains on the sidewalk, baby. All that we've done. Parnassus and cold, your house in the mission, 
a necklace we stole, the roof that we slept on, the freeway we sped, the warehouse we jammed in, the lives that we led. Up and down these streets and these hills, my tails they tumble like so much wine spills. Pour down the pavement and dry in the sun. Just stains on the sidewalk, baby. All that we've done. No regret, no call for confession. No tears in the glass I can't forget The way that you love me Blood, skin, sweat The smell of the past The failed, the used The coke and the loots Mothers turned lovers Friends turned to fools they stand now before me all gather round To escort me through my lovely ghost town Up and down these streets and these hills My tails they tumble like so much wine spills Pour down the pavement in drying sun the Stains on the sidewalk Baby, all that we've up and down these streets and these hills My tails, they tumble like so much wine spills Pour down the pavement and dry in the sun Just stains on the sidewalk Baby, all that we've done And we'll continue here. Uh, that's Ghost Town uh, from Spark and Whisper. And hey, that really does capture that uh, trying to go home feeling. That has a very kind of um, like Western feel to it. There's like a, like I feel sort of a cowboy kind of vibe. I know what you mean. It has that kind of single string guitar. It's almost, yeah. like, it's almost like a surf guitar or something. Just there's a couple of the lines. I know exactly what you're talking about, Esther. Yeah. yeah. So balancing all the things that you do, uh, and you have your wife that works for Adobe, and it's kind of more traditional job, and you have what a son or daughter? I actually have two daughters. Okay. I have um, I have a, a seventeen year old daughter that lives here with us, um, and she's a senior in high school, and she's quite a good electric guitar player. <laughs> she, she's actually got a band with um, with daughters of two of the women that I'm in a band with, my Little Gems band. They each have daughters who are around the same age, and they have a band together. Um, and they play an amazing array of, of rock and roll from like Stones to uh, Pat Benatar to Hendrix to KGL. KGL. They have such an incredible 
<laughs> array of material they'll do. Um, but um, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, That's nice to hear because uh, the little gems, they look so, I mean, you, you want to be friends with them. <laughs> you uh, know, they're, they're, just so- they're terrific. Well, that's another thing is like at this, at this point of life, we're not going to play with people we don't like, <laughs> you know, we have to really enjoy each other's company. But my other daughter is a stepdaughter who's 33 and she lives in Bali, Indonesia. Oh. And that led to, to, um, to uh, something that Esther was referring to just a little bit ago, where uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I decided to just mix it up. We were like, you know what? We're in our middle fifties. Let's, let's not stay on this same uh, chain train and trajectory let's let's uh let's live a little um so we actually sold our house we sold our house in northern california and we moved to bali we actually uh um went there with the intention of checking it out we have so our, our daughter is there and uh we also have a granddaughter there and we thought well maybe we can um maybe we can uh go live uh, so make in, it work there <laughs> yeah make it work there exactly um so uh, so we went and it ended up being a six month, uh, adventure and we ended up coming back. But, uh, th- this also ties in Esther to something that you were bringing up earlier. Those films that you mentioned, uh, the documentary that I made about Monica and the documentary that I made about Josh and this other guy, Adam Roach and this guy, Kyle Alden. Um, I made a bunch of these films, um, before I went to Bali with the intention of teaching myself how to do the entire process of making a documentary by myself with no so where I shot it and I did the audio and I did the interview and I shot the b-roll and I did the edit and the sound mix and I made these pieces you know that were cohesive entire films because I had this idea that when I got to Bali there would be kind of uh, low-level work there for people that were doing interesting things, if they were building bamboo houses or making, you know, uh, uh, distilling spirits or, you know, it's just, I just felt that I could be this sort of like documentarian um, and do things sort of as a one man band kind of thing. So I made those films, these are musician friends of mine and I made these documentaries to go through that process of making a film from start to finish with just me doing them. And uh, and that's what came out of those. But that was sort of in the process of going, of, of trying to, um, uh, make a life in Bali. Does the, uh, m- does the music, and I'm just, I'm, uh, not sure about this far from this world. Does that happen to have anything to do with your Bali experience? It doesn't. Okay. Actually. Well, <laughs> but tell us a little about that. That's all another spark and whisper, uh, song. So that was, so, um, that next song, uh, uh, uh far from this world, that was, um, uh, on our, so the, the next spark and whisper album was called, um, Monument. And it was a much more rock and roll record, a lot of electric guitars and, uh, and much more sort of um, uh, gritty and, and, and uh, also covered a lot of, a lot more, it had some funk and some, some uh, kind of uh, um, uh, Bayou kind of uh, acoustic music. Um, but Far From This World came, came out because um, I'm, I'm a news junkie. I'm an obsessive news person. I read the new, I'm on the New York Times website all day long and I'm reading all these things. And then, um, and then just dealing with like privilege and, and just seeing the suffering in the world. And I get so down sometimes when I just read about, you know, all the things that are going on, you know? And so that song was really about kind of confronting, wow, there's, there's so much pain in the world. And, and when are we going to like, 
you know, that, that idea Learn. that you sort of hear about in meditation and, and the fungus that are all connected, and, you know, um, it was sort of this, this um, prayer almost of like, how do we, how do we recognize, how do we um, manifest these, these consciousness of like, we are in fact all living together. We are in fact uh, want so many of the same things. Um, so that's well, just our that, humanity. I mean, we have, you know, the common humanity. The common like, humanity, exactly. Um, so, you know, the lines in that song are, you know, the, 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 the uh, um, I can't hide the boy with the stony load. There was a woman who did a, 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 a photo show here in California about the kids carrying rocks in Nepal, like working in working in, in quarries. And then the mother with the cardboard sign. We've all seen it. You know, every time you pull up to a, a traffic light, here's a mother and her kids and she's cold and she's holding a sign saying, you know, any, 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 anything helps. And. Um, so that's really, so it was kind of a, a prayer, a lament, uh, but it has a very rock and roll, <laughs> rock and roll edge to it. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, that, that's where that song came from. Well, let's go ahead and take a listen to it from the Spark and Whisper uh, band, uh, Far From This World. place somewhere where we all flow into one I pray there's a time and a space I pray there's some peaceful place when the soul's been said and done show me the way of the water know me in my restless mind dear Lord Forgive my foolish pride I don't know about hell and about heaven I don't care about the gold and the pearls Dear Lord, I pray you made a place for love And I'm praying it's not too far from this world I'm praying it's not too far from this world
And we'll continue on uh, with uh, Far From This World. So, uh, boy, that's, uh, that is a different uh, tone from the Ghost Town uh, one uh, by comparison. True. Yeah, the, uh, we, 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 um, we made a much more rock and roll record. It had a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, electric guitars. And, uh, and my, my friend Robert Powell plays the pedal steel. And he has a very kind of uh, um, a unique approach to the pedal steel. He's not this chicken-picking country guy. He's... He's, he's they're very ambient and and swells and and uh you know atmosphere or extremely you know distorted uh you know um solos so so that that he has a great solo in um in far from this world anyway uh that, that that's sort of the story of that one you're listening to art on the air wvlp 103.1 fm and on lakeshore public radio 89.1 fm so tell us a little about little gems yeah, so we little gems, working with them. Little gems. It's kind of a little bit of a of a sort of a Marin County All Star band. Um, it's a it's a, it's it's a very heavy vocal trio. Uh, incredible singers. There's um there's Kelly Atkins uh, is a, a singer in a group called Kitka, which is a a woman's uh, sort of Balkan acapella ensemble that are incredible. Just <laughs> the highest level of of acapella music I've ever heard. Um, and she was in a band called 20 Minute Loop, which was also, which was sort of a, a rock and roll band, really great uh, Northern California band for a long time. And then there's uh, Liz Pisco, uh, who is uh, uh, an artist of, of note here also. And Rebecca Shure, who, um, who uh, she and Liz were in a band called the Dolly Mamas, which was uh, another vocal vocal group that I played guitar for. So, so, um, so the four of us got together with with um, Kelly's husband uh, Matt, who's a, who's a really great guitar player, and we formed the Little Gems. Um, and it's basically really, really uh, dense vocal harmonies with these uh, you know uh, arranged guitars and original music. So and uh, so we launched uh, just you know pretty recently, and we, we had some great momentum. We had some great bookings and and uh, summer festivals. And um, we uh, were going to play at the Redwood Ramble, which was this, this festival up in uh, um, Humboldt County that we all go to every year. Um, and we uh, love staying up all night and playing music. <laughs> uh, we get around, uh, we just trade songs and there's a lot of good musicians and we just lit- literally play all night. So um, this year, uh, the festival was canceled because of the, of the, um, of the uh, pandemic. Um, but we wrote this song called Navarro. Um, the Redwood Ramble actually takes place in the town of Navarro, which is a, a population of like 50 people up in the Redwoods. And the idea of the song is that it's really kind of the, um, I wrote it with Rebecca Shure, uh, one of the singers, um, and she and I have written quite a bit of music together now. Uh, and the idea of this song is that it's really kind of the search for, uh, on a very literal level, it's the search for the people at the festival at night to play music with. We're walking around, it's dark, you know, and how do you find, uh, there's no cell phone reception, you can't drop a pin. How do you find your 
people that, to jam with all night. But on a, on a deeper level, Rebecca says, Rebecca wrote the words to it. Um, it's sort of about the, the, the spirit of music. She calls it God. Uh, I call it the spirit of music. Uh, but sort of just, just uh, the search for that, that connection and that feeling of tapping into that, that larger spirit and current of music. And that, that's what the song's about. And, and I love this song. Um, so that, that, that's where this one comes from. Well, we'll listen to it. Vilvi Appleton, uh, The Little Gems, and Navarro.
When we finally found you alone by the fire Guitar in hand waiting to play us a song Our voices lift up like the night song choir And we go on singing the night away Navarro, uh, well, what a great uh, piece there. Uh, love the vocals. Thanks, Larry. You know, one of the things that that, that is appealing to me about the Little Gems is uh, acapella music has never really been uh, interesting to me. I think a lot of times it's very major. It's very one three five. It's very you know this this very uh, predictable recipe kind of harmonies. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about the way. Uh, Little Gems is arranging the music is there's a lot of dissonance and movement and it, it, it's not it's not that that um cloying sweet um acapella mm-hmm. sound that that sort of gets under my skin a little bit honestly it's a full I, rich sound with so many right. different layers to it and I think part of it is 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 um is Kelly coming from Kika and having the, that that dark sort of Balkan kind of orientation and then also Rebecca coming from her sort of choral um training classical choral training and I think they're both uh, tending to sort of uh, arrange things in it with more, much more movement. Um, anyway, it, it, just like you're saying, Esther, it appeals to my ear as well. I love it. Yeah, Esther was talking about how uh, she likes discordant jazz and everything, and yet this this type of music really appealed to her in in many ways. But then I really love the Bulgarian women's choir too. I mean, I just oh my gosh. They make such beautiful sounds. So, any pro- uh, how has COVID nineteen affected you uh, in terms of projects? Obviously, you're not going out and performing and things like that, but both uh, professionally and personally. Well, oddly enough, on the film world, uh, I'm busier than ever. Um, we've developed this way of doing these remote shoots where I sort of direct and um, run shoots remotely, where we we have a way of feeding. I'll hire a local crew. I've shot in the last few months in Germany, Japan, Australia, all over the States. Um, and we'll hire a small local crew that'll go uh, set up a, a little shoot. And then we have a way of feeding the camera into a Zoom call. And I'm seeing the camera feed in a in a Zoom window. And then I can direct the lighting, the set direction, and then actually conduct interviews and, and uh, work with talent uh, via Zoom. So it's one of the really uh, amazing That's things. It's really exciting. About. Yeah. It's cool. You know, when things are going well, they go really well. Um, but when things are going badly for any reason or not, <laughs> or the vibe isn't really happening, it's very hard to change it because you're not in the environment. You can't tell what the problem is. You know, does, you know, is it too hot in the room? Is, is, is the lighting too bright on the subject? Uh, is someone on the crew making the talent uncomfortable? Like there are all these things that you just get on set that you don't get via Zoom. So when it goes smoothly, it goes smoothly. Um, but we've definitely had a few that have kind of gone off the rails, <laughs> sadly. But hey, it's a pandemic. Um, and in terms of music, 
Um, yeah, we're not performing. Uh, I'm writing a lot with the little jams. We just write, write remotely, just sending files back and forth. I'll send music and words, and then we sort of do iterations via email. And that's been that's been remarkably productive, actually. I think there's something nice about working collaboratively, but also having the space and time to work on your own without having the pressure of another person right in front of you. So that's kind of worked nicely. The thing that's been most surprising to me is I don't think I realized how much of my life was around the music, not just the music, but, you know, for every, there's bookings, there's promotion, there's doing artwork and posters, there's, there's sending emails, there's communicate, there's, there's, uh, then there's the day of the show and what are you going to wear and how are you going to get your gear there? And, and then after the show, there's, you know, loading out and getting home without, you know, hopefully without drinking too much. And, and, and then, um, and then afterwards there's the, the, the videos and the postmortem and all the people that went to the show and you connect with them. And what I've just, what I really miss is just that whole sort of ambience of the world of music that I was living in. And that's been a huge hole. I have to say it's, it's been a, it's been a real hole. Real quickly, what you're looking forward to? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, my wife and I bought a, bought a, uh, an, old, an 1884 farmhouse up in the Sierra foothills, and we've been working on fixing that up. And that's kind of been the main project, planting fruit trees and, and uh, getting irrigation going and sort of like the biggest little farm up here. So that's kind of, that's kind of what, I'm, what I'm most interested in right now. Well, we really appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. That's Velvie Appleton, uh, a film producer, director, musician, uh, photographer, oh, uh, a whole host of uh, skills. We really appreciate you coming on Art in the Air, Velvie. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks. Thank you. It's, it's, been, it's been great fun talking to you both. And now a very special musical treat during the pandemic from Billy and Renee Foster, their new song called Virus. Oh, oh. 
been listening to Art in the Air and we'd like to thank our guests this week. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP and Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Underwriters for Art in the Air are Valparaiso University's Brower Museum, our landlord Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Mary Levan, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself to art and show the world your